Hello once again, and welcome to your favorite half hour of your week, everybody. It's the Say Something Interesting podcast, the podcast that comes from Eastern Washington, East Lake Tri-Cities, and uh, my name is Brent. With me, as always, Margo. And Margo has a friend today, everybody. Caroline. <laughs> Hi, Caroline. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Caroline is uh, from New Zealand. She's a Kiwi. She's a mm-hmm. Kiwi and has an accent, everybody. So Margo and I just decided we're really just going to turn over the reins <laughs> of this whole podcast to her and have her just read random crap for 45 minutes and uh, enjoy the accent. But, You're welcome. Uh, yeah. We flew her out here just for your listening pleasure. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Don't tell the board. She's got an interesting story uh, in terms of how you guys met. So yep. Margo, fill us in. Tell us about your friend and how. what's the story? Give All us right. the backdrop. So I am... One of those camp nerds. I love summer camp. Uh, I think I spent 14 summers of my life total at summer camp. Uh, nine of those working. The other ones just being a camper and leeching off the system. Uh, but so I loved camp. I went to a camp called Camp Sebago, which is on Sebago Lake in Maine. Fun fact, it's the original filming location of the first parent trap. Like, whoa, the old yeah, one? Yeah. Ooh, wow. So Sebago Lake, it's huge. You can see from space. Big, beautiful lake and worked there. Loved every summer I was there. And they have a tradition where they try to bring probably seven or so international staff members to be counselors because a lot of these kids come from small towns in New England and it's just great exposure to other cultures. And also it's an opportunity for people across the world to get to see how wonderful Maine is. So it's a beautiful partnership, and Caroline was one of the counselors that got picked to come, and I'm super happy because I've always been a New Zealand nerd, love me some All Blacks rugby and all that stuff. So, yeah, we met 11 summers ago, just spent the summer together, spent camp breaks and doing fun stuff, hiking. Uh, we went to Fenway Park on her mm-hmm. birthday, so she got to hear Sweet Caroline sung oh, to her. Oh, everybody was singing yeah. to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. They didn't know it was for her birthday, but we knew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was on your birthday, too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they should have brought you onto the field or let you throw the first pitch out or something. I know. And I even had a big peppy shirt on. I mean, come on. <laughs> yes. So it was the great. The way you say peppy is, is <laughs> the best parties. I, I know who you're talking about. It's big poppy. <laughs> <laughs> There's no O, so I mean, it kind of, I can kind of right. see her. No, I get it. I just, you know. So I, I've always been interested. Uh, I have some friends from uh, Aussie land. And uh, her name what was that is again? Yeah, sorry, Aussie I, I missed that. Um, and uh, she sounds, her name's Emma, mm-hmm. and she works with uh, like Cirque du Soleil. She, she married my friend Danny, and um, she sounds a lot like you. However, <gasps> I know that there's a difference. <laughs> there is a difference. And could you briefly explain to me, so I'm a very worldly educated person, the difference between a Kiwi and an Aussie in terms of accent? Okay, what, so... What, what do Aussies sound like to you? Aussies have a very strong accent to me. So, in a New Zealand accent, I would say, I live in Canberra. An Australian would say, I live in Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> Huge difference. So, listen, so more obnoxious is basically the, mm-hmm. the, how you would define it. Yeah, their vowels are more... Arsh. Yes. Gosh. I feel like their mouth, like when they speak, like it's more compressed, so it creates this like. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we have any Aussie listeners. I doubt it. But if we did, they for sure just left. They're yeah. turning off the yeah, podcast at this probably. point. I don't know. But that's okay because they're. I will say, obnoxiously like, loud anyway. <laughs> one of the similarities I've noticed between 
Aussies and Kiwis is that they end a lot of their sentences with the inflection going up. Yes. So they say, like, I'm going to go throw some rubbish in the bin and go down the block. And then after I'm going to go visit my, my gran, like, it's like it's a lot of... It's not a bad Australian accent. Yeah. yeah. So wait, Aussies <laughs> no, do that, but no? Kiwis don't? Is that I think saying? both do. Both I think do. they okay. both have a tendency to end on the inflection huh? going up. Like, is which that okay you see, with you? Which you don't see <laughs> in, like, England or South Africa as much, so... Yeah, so apparently New Zealanders speak pretty monotone throughout the sentence, and then they go up again. What? <laughs> no? <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, wait. What's what is our favorite thing that we discovered? The most common Kiwi phrase. Because you'll ask her a question like, hey, do you want to bring yeah, a nah. water? Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. Like, yeah, nah. It's like, you're saying yes and no. <laughs> Which one is it? You know yeah. what? I'm just going to pack one anyway. Yeah, nah. You change your mind. Whatever. Yeah, nah. Oh, yeah, nah. uh, that's awesome. Uh, and New Zealand famous for the Great Barrier Reef. That's the only thing I no, really. No, that's Australia. No, it's off New Zealand, right? Well, I mean, it's between the two if oh, you really cut. Oh, okay. Yeah, we have a Great Barrier Island. Oh, Australia okay. has the Great oh. Barrier Reef. Oh. Hobbiton. Let's Ooh. be real. Yeah, That's Hobbit, yeah. Hobbit yeah, stick is, to is what a, you know. Hobbits. Is, That's us. <laughs> and it, doesn't it have the over. world's tallest uh, bungee jump as well in New Zealand? Uh, we did at one point. I'm not sure whether it still Birth, stands. Have you been to Hobbitland? Of course. Hobbiton. Of course. Hobbiton. Hobbiton. Is that yeah. the call it? Okay. Is it still as cool? I mean, because, like, obviously, 15, 20 years ago when the movie came out, it was like, oh, that's, like, the place to go. Is it still, like, pretty well? Yeah, they come... have, like, a crazy full-time staff there. I'm yeah. not sure how many people, but there's loads. Like, gardeners, landscapers, all the time. Gosh, Dream job. Can you say gardeners again? Gardeners? Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> the R is just a faint whisper. <laughs> I want to be a gardener when I grow up. So no, you're great. making that A um, too harsh. Gardener. Yeah, See, I'm saying Australian. Aussie, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's me, Aussie. Yeah. Um, so a question for you, just because uh, you've known Margot for 11 years, yes. right? And uh, how have you guys kept in touch over the last 11 years? Is it emails, Instagram, calls? What's been the process? To, yeah, well, to begin with, well, actually, Margot signed me up to Facebook. I, I uh, was, yeah. So kind of through there, but when I first left, I used to call her just on a regular cell phone. Okay, from so home. perfect. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah. So she's lived East Coast pretty much her entire life until mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she comes out here. Have you noticed a change in her accent since the move? No. <laughs> she's the same the whole time. Yes. Stand strong. Old and strong. Because <laughs> I don't, uh, when I listen to Margot, I don't, I don't think that she has an accent. It's just certain words. Oh, will, yeah, I guess some, sometimes. Like you guys say tour and I say tour. Yes. And then I say dorm, like almost two syllables. And you guys say dorm. And then what was the other one that Matt gets? For, we say like fulfillment. And you guys say fulfillment. What do you say? Fulfillment? Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. There's I don't no fulfillment. I, I don't have an explanation. <laughs> I guess. So, but wait, is that a New England thing or is that just I a think modern it's a New England thing. thing? Is it? Okay. All right. Never got it. Well, anyways, we have an extra voice in the uh, in the podcast today, which is always fun. We love having guests and input into this thing. The, the purpose of the podcast, if you've not listened to this thing before, is eventually we get around to talking about the message uh, <laughs> from Sunday and just any thoughts that we had. We just concluded a series called Who Is This Man? Uh, a series on Jesus leading up to Easter. And I was back in the saddle after being gone for a week. Margot filled in. I actually listened to both the message and the podcast on the flight home uh, the other day. I listened to you and Brett talk it over. And I uh, had some had some good thoughts on that. Um, so <laughs> that was great. And uh, yeah, um, anything stand out specifically that uh, you felt like we, we uh, uh, wanted? I, it was a very historical 
approach to this. Like, I don't do that very often because I feel like I'm not smart enough to do historical all the time. Um, I mean, you were throwing I, out stuff without even looking at your notes. That was impressing me. Like, just remembering names. I, and... I'll be honest. I I was combing through Wikipedia for like two or three days. <laughs> the official straight. Wikipedia. Official yeah, I know. A Wikipedia and all. Hey, and all the... Wikipedia requires you to cite your sources. It's up to you to click on those little links Absolutely. and see if they're legit sources. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so. It, it is it is fun for me to do that, and I, I do feel like, and you, um, you've done this before too. I mean, with the with the teaching style, um, whenever you cite from like the Bible or you go through a, a scripture passage, um, I do feel like skeptics are like, yeah, but you're still just quoting the Bible, right? One of the beauties about doing a historical thing is you can include thoughts from people who aren't necessarily like anthropologists Christian, and, right? and secular historians and be like, and... I'm arguing not from the source of scripture. I'm arguing from just look at history and here's what. Here's because what... until people see scripture as like something of value and worth, it's yeah. really hard to argue for God using scripture as your only, yeah. your well, only basis. context of the day and time as well. And yeah. Important yeah. context. And, and I kind of revealed a strategy, uh, a, like the threefold strategy for me of when I, when I, when you do an opening of a series, you do try and appeal to just personality and just, Hey, have you observed this in life? Hey, you know, you're trying to buy into and every once in a while I get to people you're casting like, the big net of like, you are, if this applies to your life, then stick around and see how this series right. is and then helpful. You, stick, you know, then you go into uh, like a scripture, like an exegetical <laughs> stuff. And then every once in a while you have enough material to be able to, uh, to do a historical one. That's like, okay, this is good. And I feel like Easter, um, you've been around for one Easter. True. Mm-hmm. Um, my Easter messages are almost always sort of that historical bent because, of the audience of, of that day of I guess I'll typically come to a lot of, yeah. And the hard part is trying to make history f- feel exciting. Cause nobody, very few people remember positive feelings about their history class growing up. Um, and Unless mostly, they had an exceptional teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and mostly just cause it's just dates and you know, it's, it's your, is this going to be on the test? That's the biggest question that you always have. <laughs> And what's what's going on with that? So um, just a kind of a different approach. But um, yeah, really uh, kind of an enjoyable thing. And we talked about a big focus on the temple as um, like an object. Temple almost with a capital T because it was like the, there's many temples that have been built. Right, right, like the Jerusalem temple. Um, And one of the things I didn't feel like I I was able to go into that uh, I've just finished the Simply Jesus book by N.T. Wright. Um, and in it, he nothing taught, about N.T. Wright is simple. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, he's a very I, I, it, heavy writer, like wonderful writer, but like whew. it was okay. This was like a two or three star for me. It was a, it wasn't even. I mean, he's got better stuff out there, but he did have uh, con, uh, comments about how um, uh, that whole piece that I, I talked about how the the temple was viewed from, from them as an intersection of heaven and earth like this was the place they had a, they had basically which is really beautiful like monopoly. I was thinking like oh that's a really beautiful way to put it yeah they had a monopoly on God basically you either came here or your sacrifice was no good a hundred yards from here it was only good right here which can make for sacred spaces which is really great but it can also be like whoever is in control of that sacred space is also in power control yeah Uh, and so i I even had somebody come up afterwards um after one of the services yesterday and asked me about communion and this is their first time to the church and they're like you guys do communion way differently than we've ever done like we've always 
um, had like individual juice and individual bread and we go back to our seat and then somebody instructs us to take the bread and then somebody instructs us to take the juice. And once it's inside of you, it all, you know, comes together. So she was, she was like, I'm not sure if I feel comfortable taking communion here, which is, I was like, Hey, totally fine. Like this is our strategy. And I tried to walk her through the difference between, um, uh, like the, the different, like the, the strategy for how you partake in the sacrament of communion has been, a huge source of conflict through the church for centuries. I mean, what started out as a meal with your buddies has now become something so much. Right. One of the biggest more. breaks of Protestantism between Catholicism was about, was centered around communion uh, because for Catholicism, Catholics, um, the Pope, the church um, controlled the sacraments. If you wanted the bottom body and blood of Jesus, you came here. This is how you do it. We have blessed this holy bread. This is, you know, and and they believe in what's I think called. There's a lot of ceremony through it and ceremony and transubstantiation, which is is literally like the actual presence of God in that in those. So instead of, and, and then the Protestants come along and be like, no, no, no this is a symbolic gesture, and Not this literally this can yeah. be done Jesus. in a church. This <laughs> can be done blood. at your home. This can be done in your small group. This can be done out on a boat. You know, whatever you want to do. It's just the the sacredness is the is the moment that's created when you partake in communion. Two very different things, and so what, what I what I really was thinking about was, as as much as we um, can understand that from a communion standpoint, it also that took place in this temple mindset um, of the temple being a sacred place, and then Jesus coming along and saying, "Eh, not really." You know what I mean? Like there's something that's new here. God has initiated a new thing, and He really identifies even His His, his own self as the temple, as the connection point between God and or heaven and earth which like is the intersection is here which is not like okay well then he ascended and he's gone so now we don't even have a temple anymore he was basically saying as you treat others so you've done so for me uh, as you love one another you do it out of a reverence and respect for me this heaven on earth is not located in a monopolized location it is now ever present wherever you want it to be you know that 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 the love that you give to others can be in that that sacred thing that sacred space it can be the the ever-present temple now so which well, is because when the curtain was ripped down that's kind of what he was like trying to do right like, yeah like god is not Into the kept holy in this holies, space was, it's now yeah god is, god is on the loose right right <laughs> Aslan is on the loose. and i and i don't think it was a like a rejection of what was i think that god initiated the idea of the temple so that they it was very clear like that's what human consciousness needed at that moment and then as Jesus came, it was, okay, now we're entering into this new phase where that's no longer needed, which is why, you know, there's no Christian temple to go to. I feel like Catholic um, Church can feel like the temple just because, and I miss parts of it. Like, I understand what that couple's talking about because there's this line between, um, like, format, like, the specialness that comes from formality uh, sure. versus the accessibility. So I know, like, for instance, for your wedding, there's always this struggle of, I don't want to make a big deal, but if I don't make any deal about it, it's not going to feel official sure. or special mm-hmm. or like we've put thought into this. Right. So I understand in a communion setting, want maybe craving that like kind formality, of that, that ritual. That, yeah, that, yeah. That being like, oh, this is like a special sacred moment. But like it also that's that's faith is learning how to cultivate intimacy with God. That's that sounds that's the only thing I can think of, like those special moments without a priest facilitating it, because I mean, in the end, your relationship with God is on you. Yeah. Uh, but 
I think of the Catholic Church because I grew up in the Catholic Church, and there is a part of me that misses the reverence. Like when you, no matter where you are in the world, you go into an either Orthodox or Catholic Church, like you whisper, right? Yeah. You lower your voice. And you're like making like quiet movements as you like walk down the, the alley. The architecture of a lot of the Catholic churches was meant to be like, look up, look and observe this and be in awe and reverence and respect of the place that you're at and who it represents. I mean, that was absolutely part of the architecture even of all of that for sure. And then like we have swung the pendulum the other way where you go into places. And I mean, the kids are like Our screaming and, and like crying. Yeah. You know so, what I mean? But like, so it's so hard because like, I feel like our church is definitely an open door. Like anyone can feel comfortable in there, but it takes a little bit more of a mental and heart intentionality to be like, all right, I'm actually in a space where I can like hone in on God. And that can be anywhere, but like church is a time that you should really like put aside the distractions and focus in. And I feel like, it's a lot easier to do that in a more formal space. But then again, it doesn't like, it's not building your muscles to be like, oh, every day I need to spend time with God. And- Have you ever read anything by Abraham Joshua Heschel? That is a name. Yeah. No. <laughs> He's a, a Jewish author guy who uh, wrote a bunch of books. And um, one of my favorite book on the Sabbath was one that he wrote. Um, it's super thin, best book on Sabbath ever, for, in my opinion. And in it, he talks about the sacredness Um, I mean, he goes through, he goes through space. He talks about the sacredness of space, um, which is the thing you're talking about. But then he also talks about there's a sacredness of time as well. And so setting aside that time and he builds it into, this is why we practice the Sabbath to set aside is, is Friday at sunset till uh, Saturday at sunset any different than the others? No, but when you create it and when you make it special, then it becomes more formal and it becomes the space at which then God can speak to you or grow through you or, or, or those kinds of things. So I, and he, he calls it basically temples of time. So when you're saying mm-hmm. like, I want formality. He's like, yeah, because you were created in that way. You were created to have a temple of time in your life where in this moment I pause and I reflect and I open myself up to um, the refreshingness that comes with rest and relaxation and also the physical or the, uh, you know, felt presence of God. uh, You know, so it was just a, when you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, that's really good. Like we crave that. We also crave that in time too. We, um, I don't know how great, you are at taking time off or uh, we, we talked about time off for you a little bit. Cause you're right now it's summertime in New Zealand. True. Yeah. And you're on Com- su- coming you're, into fall and yeah. you're a teacher. Um, mm, no, I work at school. But you work at school. Okay. Yeah. But so you work at school. So you have summers off, which is why yeah. you were able to come over and do all the stuff in the States. Um, and, uh, and you were, we were talking about time off about the difference between the the amount of time that people get off work in New Zealand versus the US or most mm-hmm. socialist countries like yeah you know, Denmark and right so tell yeah. tell us a little bit about give us the context for for that to for, make all the americans groan <laughs> yeah to be like oh <laughs> so basically if you work full time it doesn't matter what you're doing if you work in retail and restaurants whatever you get 4 weeks and that's that like you get four weeks annual leave, you can take them whenever you want. You have to usually apply for it for the dates that you want. Sure. And your manager or whoever has to approve it, but you're entitled to it. Yeah. Yeah. I could, and I remember, and like holidays too, we went and visited uh, Scotland on a missions trip a few years ago. And nice. it felt like 
like every other week was like some sort of holiday and they were something like oh yeah we have next week off because we're doing this you know this what crazy are you doing Australian again? <laughs> I am sorry I was trying to do Scottish today in the moment I, I'm not ready for it uh, I have to prep for that but I just remember I felt like like do you guys ever work around here? <laughs> but I'm coming yeah. at it from an American mindset Cyprus is like that to the extreme because yeah. they're an Orthodox Greek Orthodox country and so like every Saint Feast Day which is like every three days, I mean, the banks are closed, the grocery stores are closed, and my dad gets super frustrated because he's like, I got stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop celebrating. So uh, I say all that because I think um, we, a part of our American culture, culture, the work week, the drive, the max, I mean, the maximization of, <laughs> I mean, pretty much everything. How can we, make more money how can we eat at, how can we supersize it all the time you know how can we drive a bigger car all that kind of stuff when it comes to even work and and, and time off too we, we uh we don't do a very good job at at sabbath keeping and it's not like it's not even just like oh i need another day off but like actually actually on that day off like but not doing anything you know what i mean like actually taking it to yeah. relax yeah to relax not, not one like, of those vacations where you're more tired at the end than the beginning no, i'm yeah. gonna take it off and here's what i'm gonna you do to I, got, I got six errands to run and i'm gonna get all this stuff done that i've been putting on the back burner and and uh and uh so anyways yeah i, I we got we got sidetracked on the temple stuff but temples of time there you go so um anything else that stood out to you in terms of the, the message yeah i love that you hit on the the fact that the palm branches which has just become this like Oh, are we getting those dead plants this this weekend on Easter? Like it's become this kind of meaningless ceremony. I feel like a lot of people just don't think twice about it. Or Didn't, it's like, or it's this cute little thing. It's like, oh, look at the picture of the kids waving yeah. these. I never grew up thinking that was like a political statement or Jewish nationalism or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I grew up in a church where um, we typically did like Easter plays, and so you had the same old dusty plastic palm fronds that you bring out <laughs> for the little play. And, you know, and As you, much oh, totally, exactly. And they'd be out, and you'd be like, "What is? Why are we decorating with this?" Like to understand the um, intense nature of what they were trying to communicate or trying to uh, it'd be initiate. Like, it'd be like the Dalai Lama visiting America and the Republican Party throwing him like a welcome parade down Main Street, like <laughs> yeah. waving their political, like, I came for a different purpose, but you're trying to row me into this. <laughs> and, yeah. and I love that Jesus knew that this, that they were going to try to push for this political agenda and that, he asked specifically for a young donkey to be brought for him to ride into the city. Because if he walked in, that makes no statement. Like it's not, it's not for or against anything. He's just walking in. But if he rode a horse in, that was a military symbol, especially like a stallion of strength and victory. And I'm going to come and conquer you. But so instead he's like, what's the most like far removed from a show of power as I can get? a young donkey that's like untrained and you don't see donkeys charging off into war. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're kind of just the humble work horse for lack of a better you term. you have to think that the people watching him that day walking, you know, coming down a donkey goes, well, that was an interesting choice. Like I mean, the Oscars when they wear a strange outfit, you're like, yeah. mm, oh, <laughs> I think you missed that one. I think, yeah, you I think know. it's a miss. Yeah. But it, we have a, we have a, like an annual car show here. 
um, called Cool Desert Nights that meets at our in our parking lot. It's not hosted by us or anything. It's the city or whoever. But I can't ima- you know, imagine when you're walking down, you see like a Camaro, a Corvette, all these different nice cars, <laughs> and then like a Fiat. And you're like, okay. I mean. like, like a Jetta, a Prius. There you go. A Prius. You're like. Next to a Corvette. <laughs> Did you miss the spot where this is like a parking lot that's closed for only show cars you know what i mean like kind of a weird that you would show that but all right whatever and uh, also like donkeys were symbols of peace so even like he was very intentional in like his his demeanor and his entrance the entrance that he made uh to try to show that he was not about what they were doing but i mean people are going to be people and i love that you talked about how quickly the crowd changes because that's ex- essentially it and you see that in modern society all the time because people place these expectations on God. Like, all right, I'll try out church. And if I, if I do the church thing, if I pray, maybe even if I tithe, like God's going to make my life go the way I want it to go. I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to get that house. My relationship is going to, I'm going to find the man. And then when life doesn't look like that, we get really frustrated because God did not check our, check boxes and we like walk away or turn away from religion or i mean legitimately horrible things happen you lose a spouse or a parent or you're going through divorce and you're like this is not the life that i saw for me like god if you're in this like why am i not like succeeding over everything uh and we get hurt and we turn our backs and we kind of give up because god did not fulfill the expectation list that we set when really he has a much better Sure. list and planned in mind it's so hard to see that in the moment and i think it's easy for us to uh look back on the scenario and be like i don't know how they missed it right palm fronds versus and then but he rides in on a colt um or i don't know how they missed it he predicts his own death like three times four times and they're like what and, 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 yeah and they like and we're like and we we give ourselves too much credit almost like oh well, i i for sure would have caught on um and i don't know that we would have i think that the the beauty of the art of what he did was so much of I'm not I'm not going to do it overtly but when you reflect back on it and when 20 years later you sit down to write out some of this account as you're even writing this out you're gonna be like oh, I'm such an idiot right <laughs> like how in the world did I miss that like yeah. oh my gosh now it makes so much sense and I think that um, that is true from an and like a, a scriptural exegetical look but it's also true so many times in our life how many times have we done something dumb thought thought we were in the right and as we reflect back on it or tell a story about it later, we're like, I don't know how I missed that, <laughs> especially when it comes to, to even like where God was in that situation. Like I thought he was, you know, I thought this was what he wanted me to do. And obviously it wasn't. So um, totally true. Um, so we talked about having her say so much and she we, we've been dominating the conversation, Margo. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear. So real quickly, you did uh, something called the the Camino, uh-huh. um, which is Spanish for the walk. Yes. And would you kind of describe what that is for all of us? Okay. <laughs> if we were to ever plan a trip to Spain, would you recommend the Camino? If you like hiking, sure. Okay, because it's a hike. What kind of a hike is it? Um... It's <laughs> it's really long. So it took me 34 days. I, the route that I did, I actually started in France in a town called Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Pour. And my first day... Do you speak I, French? Uh, or just this town? Just un petit peu. <laughs> I don't know what that A means. little bit. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Oh, you speak French, so you know what you're saying. Anyways. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got nothing on her. Right, she's, right, right. She's the Frenchie. Um, but yeah, so I climbed up over the Pyrenees on my first day down into Spain. Uh, and then, yeah, the rest of the time was in Spain. But it's about uh, 800 kilometers, which is 500 miles, I think. Oh, my Goodness. Yeah. So when she's saying Dear she did Gus. it in 34 days, that's actually super impressive. 500 <laughs> miles in 34 days. And yeah. she'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do like 40 uh, miles and today. And what car did you use to do this? <laughs> on? The YY Express, yeah. my friend. <laughs> uh, so, how many miles like per day? What, did you have like a goal? Like, I need to get this done in, in a day? Or is that all planned no. out? I mean, is there, I mean, you probably download plans from people who have done this before and be like, you always stay here, you move here. Or did you just go for it? So. In the village before I started, you go and sign up and put your name down to say that you're you're doing it and what your start date will be. And they give you a sheet of all of the villages between there and Santiago de Compostela, where it, it ends. And um, it gives you the distances in kilometers between each village and how many albergues are there, which is like the, the hostel for pilgrims that you can stay in. Some of them are free, some of them are five euros, some of them are 15 euros. It just depends where you go. Um, and yeah, so I would just think, okay, how far do I want to walk today? And count up the kilometers between the villages and think, okay, that's enough. I'm going to stop there. Um, and sometimes I would get to the village before that and think, Actually, no, I'm going to stop here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and other times I'd think, oh, actually, I'm not even tired yet. I'm going to go to the next village. And yeah, you just. Crazy. Yeah. Blisters and, and, uh, and like yeah. weather. And... You're not the only one doing this. Obviously, there are. No, there's hundreds of people. Hundreds of people yeah. doing it every year. Yeah. Well, no, more than hundreds every year. Probably. Yeah. Hundreds of people at a time. So yeah. like, are you. Are you like walking with people? Like, do you fall? Do you go? Are you team up um, with people for a certain route and then be like, "All right, I'm leaving you. I'm going ahead of you, or you're going ahead of me, or whatever." Or... So I did actually meet a girl on my second day, and we pretty much walked the whole thing together. But there were times where um, she liked to get up really early and get going, and so and then I'd just catch up with her for breakfast or for lunch or something. Um, so we might walk separately throughout the day. There were times where I couldn't see anyone else on the trail. And then there were other times where there's loads of people and you end up talking with a whole group as you're walking. Yeah. Yeah. And so. and you did it by yourself. I mean, essentially, it was you yeah. didn't do it with a friend or anything like that. Nope. 34 days. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there, are there the villages, do you uh, like stop and eat there? Or do you pack lunches and, and take it up there? How did that, how did that all work? Uh, yeah, I'd stop and eat in the villages. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to carry stuff. You're already walking. Yeah. Right. You're carrying yourself. Right. Yeah, a lot of people did, though. They carried all their own food, made their own sandwiches along the way, cooked their own dinners. Um, but did you ever have to sleep outside or always in a village? Always in a village. Yeah. yeah. You do have the option, though. I mean, it's cheaper to... Yeah, I met a guy who had walked a different route, but the two routes met up near the end. And he said in the beginning, that the route's not as well established as the one that I did, so there's actually not as many hostels along the way and he said he slept outside quite a bit like <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah so. and what was the uh I mean, just like a, a bucket list item for you or or you had somebody a friend do it or just you know i mean what was the, what was the motivation for a trip like this um it was a bucket list item it i so i had a friend back home and her sister walked the appalachian trail over six months and then my friend was she's really competitive with her sister. They're both really sporty. 
and my friend wanted to do the Appalachian Trail with me. And I was like, hmm, if I'm going to take that much time off work and do all that walking, like, I want to do it where there's lots of, no offense, but, <laughs> but like lots of culture and you walk through cute little villages. Yeah. With I'm not going to get mobbed by a bear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, Appalachian Trail is like. But North Georgia isn't like yeah, a dream yeah. vacation. <laughs> so, um, so then I started looking into other things. Um, and it was a, a different friend actually that had just read an article about the Camino and she showed it to me and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And so I researched it a bit and thought, yeah, one day. And then a few years later, there you I go. just went and did it. Do you speak Spanish? Yes. Okay. So you were able to communicate with all the people on the trail and, and at the hostels and everything like that? For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> so I learned Spanish for five years at school. Okay. Um, and I thought that, yeah, once I got to Spain, it was like all going to come back and I was going to be fluent by the end of it because I spent a little bit of time there after the, I finished walking as well. So I think I was there for like eight weeks altogether. And it was like, that, that is not what happened. It was actually really hard. I found that I could usually get across what I wanted to say and ask questions or ask for help or whatever. But then when they responded to me, I was like, uh, not entirely sure what you just said. <laughs> it's like, and so I found that a bit frustrating actually because I thought that it would be easier and that I would have improved my language over the time, but I didn't. I didn't really feel like I did. Uh, was the hardest part uh, physical or mental along the way? Mental. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was there at any point halfway through you're like, I just need a helicopter? At this point. <laughs> yeah. Taxi. I was like, Somebody why am I still yeah. walking? Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get a lift. I got no reception. Yeah. I think about day maybe 21 or 22, I was like, what was I thinking? Why am I still walking? It's been three weeks and I'm still walking. Like, what is, what, what, what is this? What am I doing? Yeah. Um, and the, the middle part was actually, the scenery was kind of boring as well. Like, it was oh, really? really flat. It was dry. They were in the middle of a drought. And so all the wheat fields were just yellow and Dusty. Tri, tri City Sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about these wheat fields. No, and but dust. you can see mountains or at least hills around yeah. here. This was like, this was seriously, you could see nothing. And I was like, I just want to see something green. <laughs> and then one morning, I remember leaving a village and it was on the crest of a hill. And as I walked down out of the village, there was like green corn sprouting up on one side and there was a mountain at the end of the road and it just was green and luscious and I was just so happy and then from then on out I was fine but it was definitely a few days of like probably a week that was mentally really do they give you like a button or a t-shirt you a certificate <laughs> a panic button or, uh, yeah no like a how do, a bot, a how bot. do I show people like I'm freaking awesome and did the Camino is that, uh, I like want... when you, so when you finish, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, you do get a certificate. Okay, it's so really cool again. Yeah, you um, you get given your credentials or your passport at the same time when they give you the list of all the villages, and every time you stay at one of the hostels, they stamp your passport. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so you, only pilgrims are allowed to stay at these hostels, and so that's why you have to show them your thing. Oh, yeah. And then at the end, they like look through your passport and make sure you stayed at. All of the places and and do they actually did the do they walking. charge you to do it? I mean, does it cost no. to do the Camino? Nope. So it's just a for them a tourist thing. Like we want 
Well, I mean, it started as a religious pilgrimage, and now it's yeah, it's very Catholic. It's and because the Spanish people are very Catholic, yeah, religiously. um, If the Spanish person does it, it's like a really. In New Zealand, we'd call it we'd call it mana, like that's a Maori word for, like you gain respect Mm. um, for having completed it, but um, yeah, I'm not sure what the Spanish word for. But it's like, wow, you've done that. You know, it's like, yeah, you've gone above and See, beyond. See, I would want, kinda. like, a bumper sticker. You know how, like... <laughs> well, there is the symbol of the Camino is the seashell, and she oh, didn't yeah, get so her... I've got the shell. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. You guys on the podcast can see that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm yes. holding it into the microphone. Which is why I yeah. said what it was. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, um, and that's because, so, back in the day... Um, you had to walk to the coast and find a scallop shell and then take it home to your village to prove that you'd been to the coast because you couldn't just buy a scallop shell sure. or find one any old place. You had to go to the coast. So that's yeah. like your proof that you'd done it. See, so I don't know what they do in New Zealand, but in America, when people run marathons, they get little stickers on the back of their car Pitties that says twenty six oh, yeah. point six. Oh really? Oh yeah. You should do the eight hundred point. <laughs> I know. I would absolutely. Those tickets, those stickers would sell for sure. Um, because the one that I want to get, my wife saw it the other day. Zero point zero. I want to put that on the back of my car so bad. <laughs> oh um, well, congratulations for that. That's really exciting and Thank super you. cool. And uh, you know, feels like. Oh, and I heard actually, I was talking about it at my at my men's group this morning. I had mentioned that we were that you were coming on to the podcast. And we were going to talk about it, and one of the guys said he had watched a movie about a father son. Away. Is that what it was? Yes. Okay, he couldn't remember the name of the. Uh, he's like, I read the book, I didn't see the movie, um, but apparently it was based on a book, or or and I don't know anything yeah. about it. So, but I was inspired to like, okay, do some research. And he's like, I can't think of it right now, but I'll think of it yeah. at some point in the day. Was so, it, is it Martin Scorsese or no, 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 Martin Sheen. Oh, okay. Like Charlie Sheen's dad, mm-hmm. Emilio Estevez's dad, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's worth. I mean, it's it's not one of those like rising and falling action packed. It's more of like a self discovery travelogue kind How of old? movie. Is it qu- quite older? Two thousand nine, maybe. Oh, so not that bad. Okay. Yeah. So it's like if you are interested in the Camino and just kind of a self discovery kind of movie, not super emotional, but just like oh, like these are real people and. Stuff like that. Uh, it's worth checking out. Cool. Well, we are 38 minutes into this thing. And so <laughs> this is a marathon episode of Say Something Interesting. Uh, we always close out our episodes with a uh, quick thought of things that we have found interesting in our lives, something we've read, watched, experienced. Uh, obviously, yours would, would be the community that we just talked about. Margo, you've got something uh, that you wanted to share with us? Yes. Um, so poor Caroline, after she has walked across Europe, I was like, let's do some more physical activity. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so she landed and I was like, we have an adventure. And so I took her to the West side. We stayed with my in-laws for the night. And then we went uh, for a hike in Stevens pass uh, right off highway two, I believe. Yeah. And it's this guy's private property. So you have to get, you have to pay like a, a conservation fee and get written permission in advance. And then he gives you these like detailed, but somewhat ambiguous instructions on how to find like the trail itself. That was probably like 40 minutes of us doing circles on US 2, trying to figure out where in the world is the car park. And then we rented snowshoes, which for me was a first time going like uphill in snowshoes. And for Carolina, it was the first time ever. And uh, it's it was this. a good time though. 
It was it was a workout, man. I was thinking like two and a half miles one way, like maybe two hours if we're just like, you know, shooting the breeze. No, it was like four and a half hours oh, wow. <laughs> one way and like three and a half coming back, mostly because of me. I mean, she's just done the Camino. She could probably like do handstands <laughs> yeah, and like walk yeah. up it. Uh, but it was great. It was beautiful. <laughs> so the whole point of the hike is that at the top, you get to these hot springs that feed into these like tubs. So you can like literally be in the middle of the wilderness looking out at a snowy mountain and like toasty warm in this hot tub. And mm-hmm. it's pretty great. I mean, if you're sore from a hike, then you're like, yeah, I get to relax in this tub and like what a better way to do it. Uh, one of the downsides I will caution viewers of it being private property <laughs> is that it's a. Uh, anything goes kind of environment sure so we got to the crest of the hike and caroline's like i can see the tubs below <laughs> and then i see her pull out her phone to take a picture and go oh oh, oh. <laughs> there was uh, an optional three yes. three young guys in the buff yeah uh, one per tub mm-hmm. and you know we thought well when we get down these there are the same tubs you're going to be sitting oh, yeah. in oh yes oh yes 15 minutes from then yes so uh-huh. we climb down and i'm thinking like okay they might stay for a couple minutes and they're probably gonna leave and then they're like because oh, they've been there for four, four hours already four oh, hours just you're not supposed to be in a hot tub for more like 15 minutes you guys <laughs> no they're just Didn't like we're them. in the buff hope you don't mind and like what do you say because i'm like i just hiked I'm not, I'm getting in that water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Scandalous. Oh, scandalous. This is the, uh, we're going to have to rate this one PG-13, guys. But I mean, there's nothing more awkward than being like basically knee to knee with a complete stranger. Uh, (laughs) Just really focusing on those mountains. It's all just Uh looking at it. So yes. so they didn't even consolidate into one tub for you? You had to join one of their tubs? Two of them joined tubs, but I mean, there yeah. was no there was no manless tub. Let's just Oh my goodness. And they stayed longer than we thought they would. So mm-hmm. I think we got maybe ten minutes of private soaking and then by then it was getting so dark that we're like, We gotta We hurry. need to go. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise we're gonna stay overnight in this tub because we're not gonna make it back. Oh my goodness. So it was it was a a race against time, mm-hmm. a race against modesty. I don't know. <laughs> but also, like, super cool, unique, worth it. And I'm just happy my husband didn't go because otherwise he would have busted some heads up or something. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, did you fill him in on all oh, of that? Oh, yeah. I'm, okay. like, I'm like, Caroline, you have to back me up. I don't want him up. to be listening to this podcast going, what? <laughs> you did what? You did what? <laughs> I mean, I t- I'm like, I love dropping the, what do you do for work? Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. They're like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it was Too great. funny. Too funny. Uh, mine, real quick, my wife and I found a great show that we're enjoying uh, right now. Uh, it's called Sneaky Pete. So and- also... It's Kylie. Kylie gets credit for this one as well. She does. I think I found this one, Ooh. but it's on Amazon Prime. So this is like a legit, like who doesn't have Amazon Prime at this point? Um, and so, well, sorry. <laughs> I did hear that the Amazon. The raises her hand. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hear Amazon's not like super big in New Zealand at all. 
That's it's crazy. It's because we have to pay so much for posting. Yeah, I guess. Gar- like, I heard Gary was so disappointed because he was like, I work for Amazon. And, that and means I'm, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she's uh-huh. like, I'm not impressed. Caroline's like, whatever. <laughs> Gary's like, no, you should be impressed. It's like the normal. Anyways. Um, so this is on uh, Amazon Prime. It's called Sneaky Pete. It's by, uh, it features a guy named uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, he's an actor who um, is, once you see him, you'll be like, why do I know that face? He was Phoebe's brother on Friends. Um, he was also on a couple other TV shows. My name is Earl. And uh, anyways, he's got one of those faces, and he's he's fantastic actor. He's like a con man who um, is uh, in trouble. Hide, you know, in trouble with uh, owing some guy some money. Hijinks um, ensue. Hijinks ensue, as they always do. Um, and uh, it's it's just a really creative show. And I like the ones where like. Uh, there, uh, I talked on Sunday about how if you have eyes to see, like when you there's like usually at the end of an episode some sort of a twist, something that took place, like he stole something out of a guy's pocket, and 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 it like twists the whole show up. And if you if you'd like that kind of stuff, then you would love this this show. And so far we are like four episodes in. It's been uh, pretty relatively clean, which has been, which is great and just really creative and fun. So, um, sneaky Pete on Amazon prime, check it out. If you're looking for your next binge worthy show, they just released season two. And it's one of those Amazon, Amazon shows where they just release them. Like there's a term for that. Yeah. I could just dump it all over. So, uh, there you go. If you want to catch up quick and, uh, there you go. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. Thanks for sticking it out with us for 44 whole minutes, you guys. It's basically, it's basically the Easter special. Let's... Easter special. Speaking of which, this next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We would love to have you be a part of Eastlake if you're looking for a place to celebrate Easter with us. Volunteer. We're adding an 8 a.m. service that Sunday, so, or this Sunday. So 8, 9, 30, 11, and 6. You've got tons of options, and if you are a home teamer and not currently signed up to do a first serve, Margo would be the person come cuddle some babies it's a great time absolutely we will put you to work and you're gonna love I can it, testify I promise. To that too. So, uh if you are interested you can find either of us on social media my name uh my username is at brent johnson j-o-h-n-s-e-n margo is on instagram at adventures in caffeine and i think we should give a shout out to caroline because she has some awesome camino photos absolutely I, if you want to see pictures of the camino where would we find them uh, Instagram for, for you. Instagram is Kazpants. C A Z P A N T S. Kaz Pants. Pants. Kaz Pants. Yes. Kaz Pants. You'll All find right. donuts and Camino. Nice. <laughs> yes. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. See you.